Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Welcome to SLP Coffee Talk, the podcast designed exclusively for speech-language pathologists who work with older students, grades 4 through 12. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, your SLP behind Speech Time Fun, the Speech Retreat Conference, and the SLP Elevate Membership. And I'm thrilled to bring you conversations, strategies, and insights that will give you the jolt of inspiration that you need. Whether you're tuning in during your morning commute, on a break in between sessions, or even during a well-deserved relaxation time, I am here for you each and every week. Let's do this, SLPs. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Are you getting a little overwhelmed with time management, not sure what to work on, maybe feeling a little bit of self-doubt? Well, then you are going to love my guest I have here today. Teresa Harp, welcome to the show. Hey, Hallie. Thank you so much for having me on. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your SLP journey to where you are here today. Sure. I started my private practice when shortly after I started working as an SLP, didn't have kids, didn't, you know, I was, life was very different and slowly built that practice up to a level that I felt comfortable with. But then I had my, I had my kids. And so very quickly, I was sort of thrust into this whole elusive work-life balance chase. And for a while, it was working fine. I enjoyed it. But fast forward to COVID when everything changed, I started reevaluating what I wanted to be doing and how I wanted to be spending my time. And that's when I discovered coaching as a field and started working with a coach, enrolled in a coaching certification program and realized that I could help other SLPs with time management because that was something that I had had to learn firsthand. That's amazing. So why do you think SLPs have trouble with (laughs) management? (laughs) I think when many people hear the phrase time management, we think of this as 
calendars, planning, checklists, to-do lists, right? And we think about maybe time blocking and timers and things like that. A lot of things that require strong executive functioning skills, right? And so there's that element of time management. But the piece that we don't really think about or talk about all that much is the way that our thoughts and our values impact how we spend our time. And as SLPs, we tend to be, I know I'm generalizing, but we tend to be the helpers and the givers and the doers. We don't like saying no. We tend to people please a bit. Maybe the overachievers and perfectionists, certainly not everyone, but there's a lot of that that shows up in many of us. And I believe that those thoughts, those underlying sort of traits dictate how we spend our time. So it's not just necessarily an issue of knowing how to use a calendar or find the right planner. Because how many times do you hear people say, oh, I've tried every planner in the world. And I'm like, it's because it's not the planner. (laughs) It's the mindset. So I I just think as as a field, as a profession, it's something that we have really struggled with because we do have such a strong desire to help others. And I find it often begins even in graduate school. Mm-hmm. that I have taken grad students many, many times. And I find that grad students starting then struggle with, okay, I have all these things on my plate. How do I get it all done? And I know we have a lot of grad students listening as well. What would you say to them that are saying like, if I can't figure this out now, am I going to be struggling for the rest <laughs> of my career? <laughs> well, my first response might not be uh, their favorite to hear, but I think many, I, I teach grad students as well. So I sort of, I, I kind of see this from the outside looking in. I think many grad students have this sort of false belief that this will be easier after they graduate, that it won't always be like this. And that might be true to some extent in terms of circumstances and, and you know, course load, but Really, we always find things to fill our schedules with. And just knowing my myself, my colleagues, my SLP colleagues, and seeing how we spend our time, I don't think that this is something that's temporary. And I would say to grad students, if they could get really clear on what their priorities are in terms of learning and what, you know, their workload and their course load and their caseload as student clinicians, and also still prioritize themselves in the process. Because I see so many of us seasoned SLPs putting ourselves last. And if we could change that earlier on, I think it would lead to, you know, a lot more job satisfaction and enjoyment and you know, less of the, I'm so burnout. I don't even want to do this anymore. Maybe I should leave the field. So, so true. What are some practical strategies, whether grad students, seasoned clinicians that are really struggling with this time management? They don't feel like they're on a hamster wheel. There's not enough time. They're leaving work at five, six o'clock. They're the last car in the parking lot. What are some practical strategies that you would recommend? Yeah. So in terms of like the practical, tactical tips, I like talking about these. I think there's some that you can find that will give you some quick, easy wins. So I like to first start out when I'm working with my clients on time management, where their time is going. 
So we might do when I'm coaching, we might do like a, you know, a pretty detailed time audit. I don't think that's something that everyone needs to do, but really just increasing your awareness of what you're spending your time on. And then a really simple thing that students and professionals can do that I don't think many of us actually consider trying is looking at the number of hours that you are going to be at work. So if that is someone who works in a school, that's probably pretty obvious. It's pretty predictable. But for someone who might be a contractor or might do, you know, home health care or have their own private practice, those hours are going to be a little bit different. And sometimes we don't look at the size of the container, meaning how much available time is there to do the things that need to get done. It's, it's kind of like creating a budget for your finances. Um, so getting really clear on the amount of time that you have and what you're spending your time on is first and foremost where I say people should begin. So, so true. By looking at it and you might even looking at like on your phone, like, how many hours are you spending on social media or this and that? Like that, like you could be doing other things. Yeah. Yeah. You could. And I think it's important too for us to, you know, sort of remove the judgment that we like put on ourselves when we aren't maybe spending our time on things that we feel like we, sh- you know, quote unquote should be. But I think just sort of pausing and checking in with yourself, like in those moments, is this a good use of my time? Is this what I should be doing? But for somebody who really needs, you know, okay, no, give me like a concrete strategy. Give me something, you know, tangible that I can do. What I would suggest doing is I always love a good brain dump, you know, just like get a piece of paper, pencil, whatever, maybe typing these days. I don't know, but just put out somewhere on paper or electronically all of the things that you have to do for your job. And I'll start there since that's really what we're talking about as SLPs. So in your job, what are the tasks that you have to do? And then start organizing them and try to structure them in terms of the brain, sort of like the thinking and the the level of work and energy and effort that you need to put into those tasks. So the administrative stuff for people who might be in a private practice you know, your billing, you know, processing invoices, like those types of things require a certain level of energy and a certain frame of mind versus something like writing a clinical report where then you're going to be doing some more, you know, deep work, some thinking. So if you can kind of structure those in your day in a way that suits your brain and your natural rhythms and energy levels, I think you'll find that you won't feel so much like you're swimming upstream because you've got a little bit more of rhythm to your day. So, so true. Do you also recommend knowing whether or not you're like a morning, afternoon, night person, like when you have the most energy that you know when you should be doing and prioritizing those tasks? Yes. I always hate when people say, you know, give you the strategy of like, you need to have a a morning routine or you need to get up and, and be awake and do things before anyone else gets started. And, you know, the people that that post their like 5 a.m. photos of the gym and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, that's great, but that's not for everyone. And I I don't post these things, but I do get up early. So this is me as like an early bird saying this, but that's when I naturally wake up. And that doesn't mean anything that is better or worse than someone who likes to stay up late and get their work done. It's just the way that we're built and the way that we're designed. 
So instead of making that mean something about you or your work ethic or anything like that, just go with it and use that to your advantage. That's so true. I am not a morning person and I will know. Yeah. But I get so much done at night and that's just me. And I know myself and I know myself to leave my clothes out the night before and make my lunch the night before because I know myself in the morning. Morning Hallie is not going to want to do it. (laughs) I I know myself. I've learned. Exactly. Yeah. That's the number one rule, right? Is know yourself, know thyself. So you know what works for you because thinking, you know, these like cookie cutter strategies don't work for everyone. They truly don't. So, so true. What advice would you give to someone in the schools? Now, some people in the schools do have a prep period that is allotted to them by unions and things like that, but some people don't. They literally are doing back-to-back therapy, maybe working through their lunch. What advice would you give to them that really truly don't have that time to devote to anything other than after school? I know. It's such a hard question. I really think that we, you know, as a profession, there's a lot of, of, work that needs to be done. And it's probably not even the right, the right phrase to use, but there, there are some changes that need to happen just within our field and our profession. But in the meantime, I think, and this is where the mindset comes in, I think maybe getting really clear on separating your value as a person versus your value as a clinician and an employee and recognizing that If you don't get to everything, it doesn't mean that you are not a good SLP. You don't have to make sure you're overworking and getting to everything to prove yourself as an SLP, I think is another thing to keep in mind. But then in terms of of more of the tangible tips, I think, what are the sort of tried and true activities that you can do that you know are low prep? Um, you're comfortable with them. You're familiar with them. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every single time. Just going with that, trying to stay in themes with your lessons as best you can. So I know that can be somewhat difficult for certain people depending upon their caseload, but could you do one month is just this theme and then you know that's the theme and you're just choosing slightly different materials for each individual student to cater to their their unique needs. Things like that, that you can do kind of quickly and not make it into a bigger deal than it needs to be, I think will help save people time. And then the other thing I always love to do, I'm not currently practicing, but it hasn't been that long since I was. And what I would always do with my session notes, granted, I was in private practice, but you know, in a soap note, that P, that planning piece is really so important. I think you can save yourself so much time if you're really thinking ahead to what you're going to be doing in the next session and just jotting it down. I'll, I would write in those notes what a quick goal or two of what was coming up and then maybe an activity and a couple of materials so that I would just have to look at that really quickly the next week and know what we were doing. So, so true. And I'm going to add to that. It's okay sometimes to have a game day. Like if you Absolutely. know, if, you're, you know if, you, if you know you need your brain space to be writing reports during your prep period or during a lunch or whatnot, or you don't have the time to plan something, it's okay. Your students will love a game day. They won't mind. Yeah, a stash of games for those moments where you're like, I don't have time to plan something. Right. Apples to apples it is. It's fine. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think even having in your mind sort of like a um, red light yellow like green light system like you kind of have like your easy 
quick, easy things that don't take time or brain energy at all. And then you sort of have like your middle of the road activities for when you have some energy and some extra time. And then those really elaborate things that I don't think many people who have been in the field for long ever do, quite frankly. But the but people that are just coming out and they have lots of energy and excitement, they want to create all sorts of fun things and go for that, go for those green light things when it feels good. But just be cautious of how much time and energy it's costing you. And use it sparingly. <laughs> yeah, really okay. sim- simple is okay. Simple is almost always better. Students don't know it like didn't go as planned and they don't care if it's like Pinterest worthy. They don't care. Not at all. In fact, usually some of the Pinterest stuff are the ones that are just kind of total flops because, you know, it just didn't go the way that it looked like it was supposed to go. And and then when you think about how much time and energy you spent trying to plan all that, it's like "Mm, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. (laughs) So, so true. I love that. I love that. And I love how you say like our mindset really truly does dictate how we spend our time. Like if you think that you aren't going to have enough time, you're probably not going to have enough time. Yes. Oh, my gosh. When you think about your mindset when it comes to time, I think it's really useful to explore that a little bit and, and look at, do you have a scarcity mindset? Do you find yourself always thinking or saying, there's not enough time. I'll never get this done. This is going to take forever. And those thoughts, well, number one, they waste time. But then number two, they basically become the truth. And so looking at that mindset and figuring out kind of just shifting your thoughts on time can actually make a really big difference. And I think this was big for me when I had my kids was it just reshaped my experience with time and my appreciation for it. And I knew that I wanted to have that time with them as kids and still work in whatever capacity that was. But I just knew how how valuable my time was. And if I wasn't going to be spending time with them, then I wanted to be spending it on things that really, really would light me up and things that would fulfill me. So when I was working as an SLP, I was really conscientious of the things that I was doing and how much time I was spending on them. Now, granted, we still have to write the evaluation reports. We can't just be like, oh, no, I value my children better than I value <laughs> these evaluations. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, just thinking about the when that when you are writing the evaluation report and thinking, okay, well, you know what? I could spend three hours on this report or I could spend 45 minutes on it. And either way, I can get it done and it's going to be good enough and that's okay. And so slowly starting to shift your mindset when it comes to those types of things can be a big game changer. Are there things that we can do when we feel like we're in that state of overwhelm? What are some things that SLPs can start saying to themselves to kind of talk themselves out of it? Yeah. It? Oh, I, I, I mean, I always love a good mantra. I know some people think they're very cliche, but I do like to think about things like, okay, I'll tell myself I have all the time I need. This is fine. I can get this done. I always love the five by five rule. You know, if it's not going to matter in five years, am I going to waste more than five minutes worrying about this? Just to help me like sort of settle in and zoom out and realize that this is not the end of the world. This is not, you know, we're not neurosurgeons. I'm not knocking what we do, but it's okay to not get it all done. It's okay to not, you know, knock it out of the park on every session and with every report. So keeping that perspective is really important. 
And then look at what's on your list, get it out of your head, put it on paper, and then start just attacking it. You know, look at what, when is it due? Is it urgent? And start by what is most likely you're going to start by what is due first. And then you're going to go from there. But just having it there on paper and seeing it can be really helpful because it gets it out of, you know, just <laughs> your brain and it puts it there on paper and it it offloads some of that mental bandwidth that we're spending on things that we don't need to spend them on. So true. We always need to remember that work is a part of our life. It's not our entire life. Exactly. So exactly. when 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 you feel like it's taking over, just remind yourself this is just a part of your life to fund your life, not yes. to take it over. Yes. And ask yourself why, you know, really get curious. Like, why am I pushing myself so hard? Because usually there's some sort of underlying thought or a limiting belief that is showing up in some way. And, you know, at the risk of sounding, you know, totally woo woo, I know I don't mean to sound like crazy, but it's true. Just getting really self-aware on what we're thinking about, uh, I think can it can bring increase your awareness. And then that just goes back to what we were talking about earlier with reframing how you view your time. So, so true. Thank you so, so much, Teresa. Where can everyone learn more about you and everything you have to offer? Sure. So I have a podcast. It was uh, around since October of 2021, but I just relaunched it. They can find it by searching your speech pass, mindful time management for the busy SLP. I know you'll have the link to that. And then they can find me in, I'm usually most active on Facebook and we have a Facebook group. I do have a Facebook group, which I'm sure you can link to that as well, but it's specifically for SLPs to help with time management. And then my website, www.teresaharp.com. We will have links to everything in the show notes. Teresa, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and expertise. I know so many SLPs can truly benefit from just these tips and tricks for tackling mindset and thinking about time management in a different light and realizing that it's okay. We can get it all done. We have the capacity. We have the capability. And it's just a matter of just how we look at it and how we shape yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. I always end my episodes with a joke because jokes are funny and it lets us just feel a little bit lighter about what we are doing each and every day. And it's a great way to build rapport with our students. And since episodes air every Monday morning, why can't Elsa from Frozen have a balloon? Why can't Elsa from Frozen have a balloon? I don't know. Because she will let it go. Let it go. As my children say, I have corny dad jokes, but guess what? <laughs> I will share that one with my girls. They'll get a <laughs> kick out of it. Thank you so much, Teresa. Go check her out on Facebook. Go check out her podcast. And until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun, and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.